We got track news for you. Trekkies, bad news first. <clears throat> it was announced this week over a series of speculations and emails revealed on Twitter that Star Trek Mission Seattle 2023 has been canceled. Oh no. Yep. It's weird because both of us found out about it only like a month ago. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... On the last day of Star Trek Mission Chicago this April, uh, event producer Reed Pop announced that their next convention for Star Trek was going to be held here in Seattle on Memorial Day weekend of 2023. Since the announcement, Reed Pop hadn't added any updates to their official site or any of their social media accounts, so there was kind of some, some confusion and speculation. Now, I had actually signed up uh, for us to be an exhibitionist at the event, um, so that's probably what, why they canceled. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, because I signed up to be, to be an exhibitionist and like just mm. have public sex. Oh, oh right, yeah. I right. think you misunderstood what exhibitionist meant. No, I think they misunderstood. <laughs> what ex- they, they can't go using m- the word culturally appropriating my words. All yeah, right? that's true. It's true. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like if they asked for like dom daddies or something. Like, well, what 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 do you expect them to? Yeah. Come on, come on. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck, people? So, um, I had actually signed up for us to be uh, exhibitionists at the event. Seriously, though. Because uh, we're working on a video project that's going to be something like the Found Footage Festival, but all Star Trek related. So, um, I think that'd go over like super well at a Star Trek convention. Yeah. So I signed up for that, but they never got back to me. And you know what? They never got back to anybody up mm. until this Tuesday. Uh, another such person, Alexander T. Perry on Twitter, was looking to begin making travel arrangements uh, to go to the festival in about you know five, six months now. Uh, so this person contacted the festival and asked if it was still on. Uh, they got a response on Tuesday morning reading, Hi, Alex. Good day. Thank you for your interest in attending Star Trek Mission Chicago 23. We regret to inform you that at this time, our show team has decided not to not have this event next year, and we have yet to update the details on the website. Sorry about that. Please feel free to contact us back if you have any other question, concerns or questions. Stay safe and healthy. Kind regards, Joey Customer Support. Now, first off, the the email says, and I quote, We regret to inform you that at this time, our show team has decided not to not have this event next year. Which is a double negative. So they are having it. Yeah, you wonder, <laughs> if you actually read that literally in the English language, yes, they are planning on having it this year. Mm. So this email leaked on Trek Twitter, and everyone was immediately talking about it. Most people, uh, a couple people questioning the not to not, including me, because I was like, well, what the fuck does that even mean? And yeah. then other people being like, what do they mean Star Trek Mission Chicago 23? Because it's supposed to be in Seattle. They didn't have one scheduled for Chicago in 2023. Mm-hmm. And so then this person sent their initial email, and they specifically said uh, Star Trek Mission Seattle 23. Mm. And so whoever's on customer support here, A, terrible at emails. Yes. B, like, gave out, like, I guess this basically fish official information before there was any press about it, which is weird, and I'd say maybe unprofessional. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because uh, I mean, because like I was looking at the um, at what they had, and like they just had like a meetup link. Yeah, right. And like I had like I had like RSVP to that. Like, oh yeah, we'll definitely be there. Right, because we didn't even know at first like what it was, if it was a convention or what. Mm -hmm. And then I found out it's the official Star Trek convention. Yeah, there's only one official license, I guess that um, Mm. they give out for it. The Paramount gives out for it, and they owned it. But so. Repop um, issued an official statement on Thursday reading, After careful consideration, the decision has been made to not move forward with the Star Trek Mission Seattle event in 2023. We are working on new ways to bring our favorite Trek fans the optimum experience, and we look forward to celebrating together again in the future. This would have been Repop's second official Star Trek convention in the USA after taking over the official license, and with this... Internationally, there is no domestic official Star Trek event at all this year. Cool. Yeah, no Star Trek, no official Star Trek convention. Not even uh, Las Vegas. Um, I guess not. Mm. I don't know. Um, so the only officially licensed event still scheduled this year is the Star Trek cruise, mm. and with tickets starting at two thousand dollars. <laughs> And all of those sold out, so now tickets starting at $3,000 before travel, it is prohibitively expensive to a lot of Trekkies, and I yeah. mean, it discludes- Also, you couldn't hold a gun to my head and force me on a cruise. Like, yeah, that exactly. sounds like an awful experience. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it discludes a lot of people, you know, it discludes basically, like, any immunocompromised person, whoever wants to, like, go to something like that. Yeah, like, cruises are just so expensive. They're like, expensive, and they're, like, not really safe post-COVID, really yeah. at all. Come on. Yeah, I mean, even before COVID, there were like floating barges of disease. Yeah, <laughs> like like there's you hear all those mostly sto- herpes. Yeah, but... you, you hear all those stories about like you know they can't come ashore because everyone got some like neurovirus. Some, or some <laughs> yeah, some foodborne illness or something, and so then they're or just they like, resurrected one of the plagues that we haven't <laughs> yeah. seen in four hundred years. So there's that sea just like pissing, shitting, and throwing up, and it's mm-hmm. just like. No, no, yeah, I wouldn't. I would never go on a cruise. It sounds, it sounds awful. I've been on, I've been on several cruises. They're they're, good. they're, they're all right. Hmm. I mean, if if you're into just like, I don't know, hanging out on a boat and eating a lot, they're pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, it's like free unlimited food. So if you also like, is it free booze too? No, oh, you, that sucks. That's that's where they make all their money. The booze is super expensive, and the drinks are fucking oh, dog I shit. I do. I do remember. Yeah, my my brother went on a cruise and said he spent like thousand dollars on just drinks yep, alone. Yep, that'll happen. Yeah, like straight up, like they have like thirty bars on each cruise ship, and like in every single one of them, they have like across the board pricing where it's like the cheapest you're going to get away at any time is getting like a 12 ounce like Bud Light for like $8. Wow. There's yeah. like airport prices. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> Very much air. It's like a, a floating, it is a floating airport. It's like a vector of disease. <laughs> the drinks are way too fucking expensive. Everyone's bored. Everyone's bored. Although, I mean, it, it's, um, it's at least not like an airport in there and then, like a bunch of people there are like half naked already, which is kind of oh, nice. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and they have a gym there and stuff. And so I don't know. Mm. There's there's some nice parts about cruises, and some of their destinations are pretty cool. But like, yeah, like a lot of parts of cruises are fucking disgusting. I mean, I guess I technically did go on a cruise. Like I rode on my brother's uh, aircraft carrier. Yeah, like uh, they allow like hey, trips for family members. Straight up, you you used to go on a day cruise like every single day of your life. Oh for yeah, years. I used to go on the ferry every day. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, and every now and again, when you take a trip to Capitol Hill, you go on the ferry again, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that means he has sex with a gay man. Yeah, he 
you know, just a little guy. Just, just, a, just a little fella. <laughs> just a little fairy. Like, hey, hey, Tinkerbell, come over here and bottom for me, friend. Come on, friendo. So, um, yeah, fucking bummer about that, though. No, yeah, it sucks. No, no convention. I mean, I, I think I, I think I blame you because when yeah. you signed up. You're not wrong. Like, they were probably <laughs> they like. They listened to the podcast. Right like, a lot. <laughs> it's like, this is what Seattle people are like. Yeah. Cancel it. Cancel it. <laughs> yeah, they just saw, like, all the exhibitionists, and they're like, this one wants to do exhibitionist sex. <laughs> Wait, so does this one. Oh my God. <laughs> They're all the from the same person. There's um, nothing but nude photos. Yeah. So I was thinking it would be cool to try to put together a non-licensed Trek convention. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. But I mean, there would be like so much to put into that and like only to have probably a great chance of having either Viacom or CBS come down on you. Yeah. Plus event planning, you know, you have to get insurance and all that bullshit. Or sorry, Paramount. Yeah. yeah. Paramount or Viacom. Cause both of them have like separate, like license, licenseship rights. And mm-hmm. like both of them will DMCA you and shit on different platforms. Yeah. No thanks. Up. Yeah. I noticed you were getting like, uh, some takedowns for like a video that you loaded up. Did I? Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. No. Oh yeah. It was like uh, on the Facebook account. You're getting some, there were some <laughs> notifications like, it violated the copyright law. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook is super, super conservative about, like, copyright laws. Like, YouTube is bad enough, but Facebook is ridiculous. Yeah, I think I had, like, a video of me juggling and doing, um, and and um, lip-syncing um, the doctor's song from mm. when he was fantasizing, and uh, I had the audio taken off of that. Mm. <laughs> and they, they took that down? Mm, yeah. yeah, so it was just me, like, you couldn't hear what I was, what, what I was even uh, lip-syncing. <laughs> Man, fuck, fuck. If you work in copyright law, uh, kill yourself. <laughs> Straight up. Like, if you work if you work in intellectual property law in the United States of America, you are not doing anything with your life except <laughs> hurting other people. Yeah. If you're big enough to have to have a copyright lawyer, you don't need to worry about the money you're going to lose from people pirating your shit. And we aren't even making money. We're doing that stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> It's like, yeah, we're not, yeah, come on. It's just parody, man. It's parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is it is parody, and it it falls within the parody clause. However, fucking, you know, algorithms don't have a sense of humor or no. any si- kind of recognition. Like, you know, I get copyright strikes on stuff that, like, is very clearly parody. Like, uh, I got a copyright strike um, for the um, uh, Mushroom Warp Drive. Bum, oh, yeah. Bum, bum. Even though, like, it's very clearly not, the original song mm-hmm. at all. Um, whatever. Whatever. Damn them. Damn you to hell. All right, let's move on to some lighter news. Oh boy. Um, so uh, trekmovie.com did an interview with one Jonathan Freaks this oh, week. Oh, shit. We love our Jonathan Freaks, don't we, folks? We love him. And um, as with everything Jonathan Freaks has ever publicly done, it's goddamn pleasant. And full of sincere, fun, and charming Riker-type energy. It is. We love Riker, don't we, folks? Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Anyway, the interview covered a few topics, uh, mostly about the upcoming third and final season of Star Trek Picard, Mm. as well as the future of his character and his role in the Star Trek universe Mm. in in total. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's dive into this. So... Uh, interviewer asks, uh, you were all over the last Picard trailer. How much Riker are we going to get? And Freaks responds, 10 Rikers. 
There's one episode where I only have a brief scene, but I'm in all 10 episodes. Terry Metalis <laughs> came to me during season two and he said, how do you feel about playing a lot of Riker? Uh, I had already done it in season one and said, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he meant full Riker. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, I ga- shit. but I got to say, it was a blast. It was a blast to work with Patrick Stewart again as an actor. It was kind of emotional. And I had great stuff with Marina Sirtis again, who I adore. It was all I could have hoped for and think the fans are going to go cuckoo. I think season three is going to crush. I had plenty of good Riker stuff during seven years and certainly on first contact, but the Riker stuff Terry Metalis wrote for the character is denser and more interesting. It has Hmm. a greater sense of irony. There's a lot of levity. I mean, he just gets the characters in such a positive way. Uh, Interviewer says, um, but yet he isn't beholden to write them exactly as they were back in the nineties. That's that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Frake says, exactly. They are not. I have a very strong conflict. Riker has a big conflict with Picard as part of the arc of the season. A kind of, fuck you, you're wrong kind of conflict. Mm. Which is actually kind of intriguing, because they could use more like conflict between the the main characters, I think. Yeah, like, uh, and you didn't really see them fight too much. No, they were always kind of all on the same page, and most, mm-hmm. mostly, so... Yeah. Uh, interviewer then asks, uh, yeah, t- or he says, yeah, Terry has said there is kind of a Crimson Tide moment. So I guess you are Denzel and Patrick is Hackman. Mm. And Freaks says, exactly. That's what his reference was. <laughs> I got the better gig. They are both so dug in Crimson Tide and right at the peak of their acting careers. Um, mm. Interviewer then asks, uh, have you had a chance to see the final versions of the episodes? Uh, Frakes responds, I am about to see a couple of episodes before I do the ready room with Will Wheaton. I directed episodes three and four, so I've seen those, or at least the versions I turned in. Mm. Interviewer says, uh, Terry has described this as a proper send-off for the Enterprise D crew, and kind of a do-over for Nemesis. <laughs> Does it feel like it wraps up things for Next Generation and Riker? And Frake says, It is much more exciting for us collectively than Nemesis was, but it doesn't feel so much as an ending as the possibility of moving forward. I think there's a future. Which concerns me. Yeah, I mean, also I do think, I think it's going to be Riker that dies. That's my, that's, I'm, I'm, you, I'm, you, you have doubled down on this I'm like doubling, a couple times. I think, especially after this interview, it sounds like he's definitely going to die. You think so? Yes. I don't think he's going to die. I, I like, if they're going to kill somebody, I think it's going to be him. Cause obviously mm-hmm. they're not going to kill Worf now. Like it seems like Worf's. I don't know. They could, I think they could still kill Worf. No, I think, I think they're going to hang on to Worf, but I'm dead. They I could, I do think. They're like, not going to kill Jordy cause he has like two daughters mm-hmm, now. No. And I, I think Jonathan Frakes, I mean, he's more into directing anyway. He is. That's so true. So I think like, and I think this is his way of freeing himself. He's kind of doing like a Han Solo type thing. <laughs> At the same time, that's, that's not the case though. Because he can Ooh. always come back to lower decks. Yes, I mean, yeah, because yeah, like uh, that's set in the back. Right, exactly. So he has, he has, he still has possibility to do lower decks or prodigy. He could definitely be on oh, prodigy yeah, yeah. too. Um, so there, he, he has possibilities to still be in the Star Trek franchise, mm-hmm. even 
you know, as Riker still. Or holographic Riker dog. Yeah, holographic Riker. They could Riker. literally just do Prodigy with holographic Riker, <laughs> but like a more PG-13 thing. I think I think there's I think there's an age limit for um, hologram Riker. Yeah, yeah, think, hologram think. Riker's like, let's go back to Risa. It's like, Riker, we have a distress call. And he's like, yeah, but. Riker, we're all 17 years old. Well, 18? No, 18? <laughs> well, well, you know, there is no age of consent law on Risa. <laughs> it's like, computer, delete Riker. Yeah, he's like, they're going to be like, I bet there is like a sort of like age verification if you want to have a hologram Riker. It's like, you are not old enough for the Riker program. Please wait until you are old enough. This hologram is rated R for <laughs> Riker. <laughs> Nah, but I definitely think after that interview, it sounds, I bet you they're going to kill Riker off. A rated R for Riker. Rated R for Riker. Yeah, we love that, folks, don't we? <laughs> All right, so uh, next the interviewer asks, at New York Comic Con, you guys seem to be pitching for more, including Patrick. Now, this is why mm. I think maybe he's not going to be dead here. So um, uh, okay. he says, um, I was really impressed with Patrick's New York Comic Con appearance at the panel. He was speaking right into the lens of Paramount. I'm ready to do another movie. That was thrilling. Remember when Picard was first conceived? The public concept was that it was all about Jean-Luc Picard. It was not going to be a Next Generation reboot. It was not going to be Next Next Generation. It was going to be Picard's story having left Starfleet. And that's what Patrick signed up to do, and that's what the first two seasons are. Mm. We had a little snippet where Riker and Troy were in the first season, and then the wonderful heroic moment with Riker in episode 10 of season one. So there was a taste of the next gen being involved in his life. But somewhere along the line in season three, as you'll see, all the essential parts of the next generation were kind of reassembled. Just a moment while I let my cat out. Hey, Zebra. <laughs> Letting the cat out. Let her out. She needs to go potty. She needs to go to the bathroom. She's very skittish. You can cut all that out. No, no, we love Zebra, don't we, folks? <laughs> thanks for thanks for filling the the empty space there. Oh yeah. Okay. Now so, like someone can fill the empty space in my soul. <laughs> no. Um, the only thing that can do that is communism. Yes. Uh, and come. Yeah, communism. communism. At Comic-Con, you made a joke about Paramount having room in their schedule coming right after the news about removing the latest J.J. Abrams movie from the 2023 schedule. And Frake says, I actually wrote to J.J. to say, if you need an experienced guy to take over Star Trek IV, I'm available. Uh, he said, you are certainly experienced, which is dismissive and stupid. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck J.J. Abrams for like saying that. Like J.J. Abrams should legitimately consider that. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds way better. Yeah, I mean, because like, he has a person who like is part of the lore and mm -hmm. like is beloved by fans. Yeah, he's not gonna get the same kind of reaction if he you know gets the guy from fucking you know Fast and the Furious again, but he's going to get butts in seats of every classic Star Trek fan. And plus, like. Um you know, J.J. Abrams, like, he only did Star Trek in the first place because he wanted to get at Star Wars. Right. And and that was pretty obvious from the get-go. So mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, just relinquish control. You had your have your Star Wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he fucked up Star Wars. So why does yeah. he why does he keep needing to fuck up different series? Like, mm -hmm. fuck, fuck you, J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even see the um, the last one. I don't even remember what 
Return of the Jet, like uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. I didn't even see it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all you need to know is they make a big bunch of Skywalker bread, so it rises. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. It's actually not bad if you're into baking. Mm, yeah. I am actually. I like baking. Mm-hmm. I like to make biscuits every morning. Mm. It's good. Cool. <laughs> so uh, next. Um, uh, interviewer asks, uh, so how serious is this? Are you ready to suit up again for a feature film behind and or in front of the camera? And Frank says, why wouldn't I? It changed my life, this job. Both of my alleged careers have been blessed by having been part of this Star Trek family starting 35 years ago, mm-hmm. which is very humble of him. I I just like Jonathan Frakes. He seems like super genuine. Yeah. He seems always happy to be there. Uh, not everything he does is good. Yeah, and he's done bad things. Yeah, I just realized he doesn't really he didn't really have any other acting roles besides outside of Star Trek. Um, I mean, he was on that fucking Believe It or Not show for a while. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like our uh, Truth or Fiction. Yeah, Truth or Fiction. Uh, he he had that. Um, which I mean, is a hosting show, not really an acting. Yeah, I mean, he he works for me. He worked for maybe like an hour a day, two hours. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he he went like immediately because he he did uh some of the episodes of TNG and DS9 mm-hmm. and Voyager, I think. Yeah. And Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he just started directing immediately out of that. And I mean, basically and anybody who's a main Star Trek actor could just retire and, you know, just do signings and make yeah. a living on that if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But he's decided to just kind of make a life out of Star Trek, which I think is fucking cool. Yeah. I wish I could do that. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe eventually. Yeah. <laughs> maybe if I ever stop hoarding all of the profits. <laughs> um, so next, the interviewer says, uh, so any real talks with JJ? And Frake says, well, no, that's not going to happen. But I was fascinated when Tarantino wanted to do a Star Trek movie. And Noah Hawley, too. I am a huge Fargo fan. Mm. His brain with our characters in our world. And what would Tarantino do? Just the idea of it is wild. Yeah, which I totally agree with, and that's I, I heard so that if Tarantino uh, said that he wanted it all to be set on the hollow deck, though, which is interesting, and yeah, could yeah. So, um, speaking of Tarantino, interviewer says with Tarantino, it would have certainly been different, although it almost certainly would not have fit with the JJ movies or the TOS and TNG movies, but it could have been a wild standalone thing. And Freaks has an interesting view of this. He says. What's changed a lot of this is the Deadpool world and the tongue deeply embedded in the cheek of a lot of Marvel movies now. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, that may, that almost turns me off from the <laughs> idea of a Tarantino film. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, so it's, it's just going to be like just nonstop winking at the camera. Yeah. And I feel like that's what like Lower Decks is for. Kind yeah, of just exactly. Like, you know, yeah. just kind of like winking back at you and yeah. and self-referential and yeah, stuff but, like that. Yeah, but it took lower decks like quite a while to like get their footing and figure it out did. what to do with that. I'd yeah. say like at least a season and a half. Mm-hmm. Like I'd say, yeah, like the, the back half of season two is actually pretty good except for like one episode. Mm-hmm. And then all of season three is good. Oh yeah. yeah. And so like you really like start to see them hit their stride there. Whereas like episode one is super hit and, or sorry, season one is super hit and miss because mm-hmm. they just don't, I think understand the balance between uh, doing funny fan service, which is, I think, what they really thrive on, and mm-hmm. then just doing, like, you know, kind of gross, funny stuff. And just uh, yeah, out of control, like, wow, what's going on? Yeah, like, like Rick oh, and Morty this, type stuff. Yeah, this is so wacky. Yeah. Oh, this, this is a strange alien that's doing this funny, funny thing mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which is, like, can be fine, but I'm more like, you know, when they do stuff with, um, uh, you know, like uh, the, the tele, or not tele, uh, tele, Tamari- Tamarians, mm-hmm. you know, like, like stuff like that, you yeah. know, just like 
sometimes that's the funniest line in an episode is when they do something like referential to the Tamarians and he just says a line mm-hmm. that sounds like something a Tamarian would say and then you get to like use your own headspace to make up what it means and it's funny as fuck mm-hmm. but yeah and that, that's the way you do it but you know as, as you said the first season is very Trek and Morty finding their footing mm-hmm. it, it got there it, it got, got there, there. But I don't see someone like coming in and getting funny Trek off the bat, and also or, I don't a, think that's or a, a funny Trek movie or self or like right or like you know or a very self aware Trek movie. Yeah, see, like yeah, I don't think any professional director could do that. Yeah, we could do that, <laughs> but it would suck in yeah. in its own way. <laughs> It'd definitely be one of those. Um, you know, YouTube. Um, yes, it would uh, be funny, but it would also <laughs> suck. I guarantee you that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, whereas I think a lot of these, you know, anyone else trying it right off the bat would probably make it not suck, but it would also not be funny. Yeah. Which is the problem. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, interviewer uh, asks next, uh, back to the Paramount Plus TV side, Terry talked about wanting to do a Picard spinoff series, and now he has sort of set up the next next generation, which could also include the legacy people. Hmm. Is that something you're interested? And here's why I think you're wrong. Oh. Frake says, he and I discuss it every time we talk. As you'll see, the place we are at the end of episode 10 of season three sure feels to me like it could, could continue into the next, next story. I don't think Riker's going to die. He could mean that as a, as a I know as he, a he could be teasing. He could as be dir- teasing. Also, I think he, I think also he knows crowd work and I think he knows to just reveal enough to make yeah. it, to make, to make his, his death more impactful. Mm, like, maybe. I think, I think he knows what he's doing. He's just like, oh yeah, you're going to love what happens with me and Picard in the last episode. And it's him. It's Picard. <laughs> can, I, can I give you another thing that I think might, might disprove that a little Go bit? Go for so, it. Another question. <laughs> if something like that happened, how deeply involved would you want to be? A recurring character, executive producer, producer, director, Frake's answer is all of the above. I would love to be involved with him as an executive producer, certainly. And I really like working with Terry. I would love to have a producing director role um, like uh, Odlante Osunsamni has for Discovery, especially if it would shoot in L.A. My wife is here on General Hospital, so mm. it's a long time to be away if you do a producing directing job in another city like Toronto where the studios are built and waiting for more Star Treks to come in. So he's, he's willing to be a recurring character. So I don't know. Could be flashbacks. Could be that, that is, that is a, <laughs> or the Riker hologram program. That's XX rated, uh, rated R for Riker. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I thought that was pretty fun. We, yeah. Uh, we love to hear from, uh, Frakes and, uh, yeah. I don't know, maybe revealing some more information on Picard. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it could be all like little like a uh, little false flags there, you know. It's like <laughs> John uh, Frakes flags. You mean Frakes flags? <laughs> could be Frakes flags. You know, he's he's just gassing us up. And he, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, for all all of his like you know talk, like we all know, Picard season three is gonna suck shit. It's it. <laughs> see, see, that's the thing is people don't understand. People keep on being like. 
oh, I Picard season two sucked, but Picard season three, I think it might be good. Yeah. What are you basing that on? Yeah. Wh- so, so <laughs> I think it's going to suck. And you know what I'm basing that on? Mm, the is, previous two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I'm basing it on season two because it was made by the exact same creative team as season two. Mm-hmm. And it was filmed. It was written basically all contiguously and then filmed and produced back to back. So all of the same people that made season two fucking terrible are the same people working on season three. And so what people are relying on is a somehow this team that wrote a fucking terrible, miserable story mm-hmm. is suddenly going to write a good story <laughs> or somehow the former cast of TNG is going to be so good that they're acting overcomes a very bad story. And let me tell you something. Nobody except for Patrick Stewart on TNG is a great actor. Yeah. There's some good actors here and there. LeVar Burton's good, but I'd say only Patrick Stewart is a world-class actor on that show. Well, I think they're definitely just counting on nostalgia. Right. Know, just, and and well, that, that's what they counted on for the first two seasons. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't see it miraculously being good, especially since it seems to be more of the just like in your face, like geriatric space battle type shit that yeah. we had the other thing so like yeah i'm i and yeah i'm I mean i'm you know obviously i'm going to just withhold my judgment mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm totally. not i'm not going to yeah I, i'm gonna say right now it sucks oh yeah in but fact, i mean in fact if it is good if at the end of the season i say okay that was actually good i will eat something not my mm. hat i'm not into hat eating what should I eat? What's a weird thing to have to eat? You do have some weird shoes. Nah, I don't. I don't want to eat clothing. Is yeah, the thing. yeah. The clothing's functional. I want to eat something dumber and not as functional. A live cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's every Thursday. For me. <laughs> it's a, it's no, yeah, live we, cat well, Thursday. Yeah, we have to think of something like Taco Tuesday, live like, cat Thursday. We, but you have to, but you have to be completely, you know, completely like truthful. You know, just be like, okay, I will admit that blew my socks off. Yeah, and just like um, be completely impartial and just like judge it. And, mm-hmm. But we have to come up with a challenge, <laughs> and, and if it and if it does make it does. If it does blow your mind, no, we, should, we should make it good. Like I should pledge, I'll give like I don't know a bunch of money to charity if yeah. it's actually good. Yeah, <laughs> like straight up. But that's mean too. That's mean because then if I know it's gonna suck, and I'll be like, "Ha ha, that's right, kids, no fucking money. <laughs> suck sh- my dick. Eat shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, well, I think we both know it's gonna fucking suck. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about how about this? If it's good. I will do the audio equivalent of eating my hat and I will read one book of a poll's choosing entirely on this podcast. Mm. And they're going to be fucking miserable books. I'm talking like one of Shatner's books. Ooh, have you ever read Tech War? I tried reading Tech it. Tech War. There that's a good that's I a think good I, one. I think I have Tech War in my okay, car. Okay, okay, that'll be on the list. I'm going to yeah. find I'm going to try to find like maybe the four worst Star Trek related books. And if if this sucks, I will do an entire audiobook of of the entire book. Actually, yeah. I, I'm gonna one up you. Yeah. How about um watch and rate on uh uh young Sheldon. The entire series? The oh the entire first season. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Accepted. Accepted. <laughs> I, this is this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. This this is the kind of bullshit we need on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like I feel like one of us needs a greater head injury to like bring about these kind of ideas right here. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that's it. Watch and rate Young Sheldon, the first okay. season of Young Sheldon. You you heard it here first. <laughs> if at the end of so so I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on him. If I give it better than a five out of ten, mm-hmm. so even if I say it's better than average, mm-hmm. I will watch and review every single episode. <laughs> I think there's like twenty six episodes a season. Yeah, two. I think I think it is like a twenty six. <laughs> Is it? No, I, I don't think double, it is. I'll double check. No, because it's single camera. I think it's actually a lot shorter than um, um, fucking Big Bang Theory. By the way, the person who lives two floors below me directly, mm-hmm. every time I walk past their, their fucking sliding glass door, uh-huh. like nine times out of ten, their TV is displaying what is obviously the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> actually, you're in luck. Guess how many episodes are the first season? Thirteen. Nine. Wow. Yeah. Still, still, I mean. Yeah, because actually it's it's been on for seven seasons and there's only 115 episodes. Only 115 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, on, it's only been on for like five years though. Like, yeah. They've knocked seven seasons out fast. Oh wait, actually, no wait, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. What? Oops, I'm wrong. Well, oh yeah, I'm wrong. Well, what? There's 22 episodes. In the first season? In the first season. Fuck! I thought it was, they, 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 for some reason they had it like uh, separated by year for some reason. I thought that was. No, yeah, it's it's uh it's twenty two. Okay, episodes. so I mean, I'm I'm really betting, I'm betting on just knowing that this is gonna suck. Yeah, <laughs> and if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, it'll be funny. Maybe I'll actually make just legitimately a separate podcast for Young Sheldon <laughs> called like Bung Sheldon <laughs> <laughs> or Dung Sheldon. Um, yeah, or Forever Young forever, Sheldon. For you. <laughs> forever Young. I, I want to be forever Sheldon. <laughs> Do you really want to Sheldon? Okay. I'm done with that. So, all right, moving on in Star Trek news, here's some surprising, surprising news that we've Uh-oh. never heard anything like before. William Shatner says bitter Star Trek co-stars slam him for publicity and that George Takei has never stopped blackening his name. Oof. Yeah. So, According to this article from Variety, William Shatner spoke out against his Star Trek co-stars in a recent interview with the Times UK while promoting his book, Boldly Go, Reflections on a Life of Awe and Wonder. Several Star Trek actors have criticized Shatner over the years, with the late Uhura actor Nichelle Nichols once telling Shatner the cast found him cold and arrogant. Shatner writes in the book that he was horrified to learn this, ashamed that he hadn't realized it. George Takei, who starred opposite Shatner's Captain Kirk's Sulu, has criticized Shatner for decades, most recently recently publicly mocking Shatner's spaceflight on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin rocket last year. He's boldly going, or sorry, uh, Takei said, Mm -hmm. uh, quote, He's boldly going (laughs) where other people have gone before. (laughs) Ha 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 He's not the fittest specimen of 90 years old, so he'll be a specimen that's unfit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he's clowning on Oh, him. my. Um, 
I began to understand that they were doing it for publicity, Shatner told the Times UK about his co-star slamming him. 60 years after some incident, they're still on that track. Don't you think that's a little weird? It's like a sickness. George has never... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Um, Get down with the Shatner. Uh, George has never stopped blackening my name. These people are bittered and embittered. What do you mean, these people? Whoa. I have run out of patience with them. Why give credence to people consumed by envy and hate? While Shatner is no longer close with Decay, he said the Star Trek television series continues to endure due to the healthy friendships and stories at its center. Said, quote, here is a group of people you get to love going on an adventure that, although unusual, harkens back to things that happen on Earth, Shatner said. The futurist stories we told were really human stories with a twist. People <laughs> loved the stories. They loved characters. Mm-hmm. Which is really funny that he says that because he, he, he claims, he continues to claim that Star Trek is not political. It's odd. Yeah. He says it has uh, social messages but it's not political. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you think politics is, dude? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Jesus. So, uh, Shatner said he does not watch Star Trek episodes regularly, but he does love to participate in fan events for the show. He added, quote, I enjoy the conventions where I am on stage fielding questions. I have acquired a way of doing this hour so that it becomes a kind of mutual distribution of information. The fans are interesting. It's part of the reason why I go. Uh, his book is now available for purchase if you uh, need anything to start your fire this winter. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I might get it on audio tape to listen to on my on my drive. Yeah. On my commute home. I mean, you don't really have the option to read. No. I mean, you can't. So. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's an audio book and you just like pretend you read it like most things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a podcast, really. Mm-hmm. And you let have audio, audio tape. Yeah, for sure. So... Moving on, uh, we reported last week that starting this week and going on until next week, Prop Store Online Auctions will be auctioning off a number of items from Star Trek Picard's Season 1 and 2. And so uh, we're just going to take a look at that, look at uh, kind of what's uh, big right now, what's selling for the most amount of money, what doesn't seem so popular, and so forth. So um, auction's been on for four days now. It's a two-week auction, I think. Um. What what would you imagine might be the most expensive prop f- from the show going up right now? And how much do you think it would be? I want to say probably the costumes are probably... Surprisingly, no. Really? Uh, the, the top costume is actually selling for a fifth of the top prop. Hmm. What would be the top? So you, you're never going to guess this because no. I, I saw it. I'm like, really? So the top prop is lot 102, seven of nines, lies, uh, light up phaser rifle. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe they think it works or something. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, next highest uh, priced item right now with 13 bids and a current bid of $5,000 is the only thing that was not in Star Trek Picard in the auction. Hmm. It is Leonard Nimoy's personal contacts 645 camera equipment with photos from his collection of Leonard Nimoy. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so it's a camera. It's, it's, and that's and that's below that's a, the below fake a, laser a, rifle. A, a, a seven of nines that was held by Jerry Ryan. 
So you know, uh, I can see that. I yeah. guess like some guy wants to like get it and then and like lick, lick it. it clean. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Whereas like <laughs> you know there, but there is probably one like uh, Spurk guy who is definitely bidding on this Leonard Nimoy stuff so he can lick it. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's probably hoping for like you know nude selfies of Leonard Nimoy or something. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so we mentioned quite a few things last week, quite a few props, and of those, uh, only two of them are on the top page. Actually, three of them, I guess. So the the top one is going to be at $4,200 right now. Lot number 22, uh, Data's daughter painting with a mm. uh, back-turned, hand-painted frame um, from season one. It's just a painting that was, like, kind of pivotal, I guess, Yeah. the story. Plus, like, is it hand-painted or is it... Is it, it is. It is. So that's actually, like... Yeah, I can see that being cool. Yeah. It's, it's a legitimate piece of art. You're paying for art. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you're also, you know, paying for... It's actually a pretty cool painting, too. So yeah. I'm going to say that that's probably the thing besides Leonard Nimoy's stuff that I think is definitely worth worth the most. Here. And not so probably, like, the least embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Because you can hang it. It's, like, kind of like a secret... You know, secret uh, Star Trek right. memorabilia. Unless you're cosplaying and these things fit you perfectly or you get them tailored to fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, owning a Star Trek costume, unless you're a museum or a really good cosplayer, is like the dorkiest fucking thing you could possibly do. <laughs> yeah, like frame it and hang it in your house or something. Yeah, that's the best birth control you could possibly have <laughs> is a, a an authentic costume from Star Trek mm-hmm. Picard season one or two. Uh, moving down the list. So something I mentioned while we were watching an episode of Picard earlier, um, uh, that they have, uh, currently going for $1,100 is Jean-Luc Picard's, uh, copy of the three Musketeers, uh, with a script sheet in it from mm. the scene. Oh, so apparently he was like, you know, he so had, he was just reading the script while he was pretending to read the book. No, no. Cause he, well, maybe. Yeah. He probably did actually. Cause I think he was reading it to him at some point. Yeah. He was know, like, so, yeah, yeah. He was like reading them the book and, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what would you think uh, would be the top costume from season one or two that's on sale here? Jerry Ryan. Surprisingly, no. What? It's not even not even close. I could see like people just like buying the pants and just like putting them on their face. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, the top bidded costume right now, which is actually crazy. So the top bidded costume, it's only a thousand dollars at the moment. That's interesting. Ten, ten days left, but it is. Lot 244, Agnes Gerardi's Borgotti stunt Borg costume. So not it's even n- the one that she wore. Not even the authentic one, no. Mm. Uh, and the, the second highest one is a stunt Picard uniform. Yeah, weird. which is crazy to me. Right? I can see I can see like someone wanting the the that the Girardi Borg costume because you know, it it can be it, it's it's multifunctional. Oh yeah, be. no, it, for definitely for um, you know, like cosplaying or something that would make sense. Yeah, for sure. Or just some weird guy to just like you know lick the insides of, which we all know that's what he's doing. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's see. From the other stuff we mentioned last week, uh, Dodge and Soji's uh, Omega necklace, which I don't understand at all. That's yeah. such a uh, boring necklace. T- Ten bids, four hundred dollars right now. You could you could get that custom made for very cheap. I feel. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Anything else interesting here? Um, there was oh yeah the cask that we mentioned uh, mm. last week the Star Trek uh, or the uh, Chateau Picard oversized cask with seven bids uh, currently has a bid of six hundred dollars with the asking bid is seven hundred and that's something I should note too is nearly everything on the site is still under asking bid. 
Yeah, that's that's not surprising. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's still got ten days to go, so mm-hmm. there, it's it's going to change a lot. But you know, I thought that was uh, just kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, a little bit interesting. All right, so we are going to uh, close out the uh, Trek news this week with a reading series. Oh. So we're going to start doing reading series. Uh, yeah. Reading series for those uh, unfamiliar is uh, when you read and respond to an editorial, mm. not just news. So. We're going to take someone's um, <clears throat> editorial on the news. Oh, interesting. And comment on it. So this is an editorial from Red Shirts Always Die by Chad Porto from two days ago. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at ChapNerdCore if you want. Mm. It says, will Star Trek start to suffer burnout just like Star Wars and or has started to experience? He says... Star Trek needs to heed the warnings of Andor. Experts believe that Andor, at least according to the trackable variables people have, has flopped over at Disney+. Maybe flopped is too hard of a word, but even the Andor showrunner, Tony Gilroy, was surprised at the lack of the audience for the show, telling Variety, quote, I think I was surprised. I thought the show would have this gigantic, uh, in, in, uh, ostentatious, or sorry, instantaneous audience that would just be everywhere but that it would take forever for non-Star Wars people or critics or my cohorts or friends to get involved in the show. The opposite happened. We ended up with all this critical praise, all this deep appreciation and uh, understanding from a really surprising number of sources, and we're chasing the Star Wars audience. Chasing the audience? Never a good sign for a hotly anticipated, highly marketed sequel to one of Star Wars' better outings of the modern era. Now, quality has dipped, and the Star Wars films have been largely panned as being unoriginal, convoluted, or the dreaded trope of subverting <laughs> expectations. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Rise wait, Jedi. Obama. Jedi, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, God, what was the guy, what was the name of the guy who made that? Ryan Johnson. Yeah, Ryan mm-hmm. Johnson. I can't make a... Uh, Brian O'Rock. It is funny, though, Johnson. in an interview, um, like, um, when the, uh, being asked about it, like, Mark Hamill does keep calling him Brian. That's amazing. <laughs> where he's like, he's saying like, um, you know, I disagreed with Brian on where he wanted to take it. Like, mm-hmm. cause you know, um, Mark Hamill always wanted, um, you know, um, honestly, Skywalker to turn to the dark side, which is fine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think what happened with Skywalker was the best part of the last Jedi. Yeah. That's the one I, I did watch the last Jedi. And I thought like uh, all, all the good parts were the mm-hmm. parts that took place between, uh, Luke Skywalker and Ray. Yeah, that didn't and have those stupid little animals. They didn't have the stupid little animals, and also the stuff that happened between her and um, um, uh, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. The, if the movie was that, but like that had like those those really distracting, you know, the OJ Ch- Simpson chase through the, space. The whole the whole <laughs> fucking Rebel Alliance thing that they had in that movie sucked. Yeah, it was, and, and, and then the, like the, the Princess Leia shit was dumb. And then uh, also then like the. The trip to the casino planet was oh, also very stupid. Oh, God, I almost forgot about that. That really sucked, <laughs> it, the it, James Bond scene. Because it, it is funny because, like, I feel like a much better movie was there. And oh, also, yeah. And also if they didn't, if they had cut it off, um, like, left it on a cliffhanger, you know, as you're supposed to do with, like, a middle part of a um, of a, of a, tri- of a trilogy, if they had yeah. cut it off with Kylo Ren, you know, are you going to join me? And then like, mm-hmm. and then she's like, I don't know. And it goes, and then instead of having like the weird salt planet. Right. And that's, that's the thing is like, it, there were some good ideas there yeah. and he made 
actually a really great one and a quarter movies. Yeah. But like he could have definitely cut out a quarter. Yeah, the ending I felt ruined it for me just because like yeah. it's like, well, where do you where do you go from here? You're like, what's well, the, the, what's the, the story and you're the telling? Part, yeah. Yeah. What do you what's what's the story you're telling here? Because like I have no idea what to expect for the trilogy. And, and that's that, like that's the thing. For the third part, it was, yeah. It was a weird battle, I feel, between like the forces the creative forces of JJ Abrams and Ryan Johnson. Yeah. Uh, Which it doesn't make sense. Like it does, it does, and I'll I'll, let me explain why. I think so. J.J. Abrams, what he likes to do with things Hmm. is he likes to give fan service, but in his own vision. He likes to take a franchise and be like, "Now, how can I make this my own project, but still make other people into it as well?" Mm -hmm. And so you see that with his Star Trek stuff. You see that with uh, fucking the first Star Wars, The Force Awakens, that Mm -hmm. he did. It's like, you know, and also you see that in a way with the last fucking Star Wars he yeah. did, because there's fan service there. It's just mm-hmm. poorly done. Bullshit. Whereas Ryan Johnson's idea is, let's give the fans something entirely new. And yeah. what he wanted to give them that entirely new was a meditation on Star Wars as a franchise. Mm. And so he went, he, he wanted a post-Star Wars analysis of Star Wars, mm. which I totally understand. But he went post post Star Wars <laughs> and he just went way too far off the deep end. And instead of saying like, here's what Star Wars is. And like, here's Star Wars in a microcosm. He put like a microcosm in a microcosm within a bigger film, within a microcosm. Yeah. And it's just, just like, what are you doing? That's why doing? I don't understand with like, with like why they didn't plan the course of the trilogy out from the beginning. Cause, it's, Cause it seemed yeah. like it just seemed like a tug, tug of war between two people. Mm-hmm. And that neither one agreed with each other's vision, so they just kept undoing right. what the other person established, which so is I, terrible. Yeah, that's it's why the I, dumbest bullshit ever. Yeah, after those movies were released, like they just kind of just like faded away. Yeah, like, <laughs> like n- no one, <laughs> no one is excited for a new Star Wars film. No, that's the thing. It's like I get excited for the Star Star Wars shows. Yeah, because fucking like you know they've proven that they can do good shit with it, and I'm really excited to like catch up with Andor because I watched the first two episodes and I was like. Mm-hmm. This is what Star Wars needs to be. Like, yeah, I, I've heard nothing but positive yeah. things about and it on Twitter. Actually, yeah, and I've I've heard especially positive things about the politics of the show. Yeah. Which, like, that's one thing about Star Wars is Star Wars has always been fun, but Star Wars has never had great politics. Well, the first one, uh, the first the, trilogy the, the, was the, about uh, the um, you know Vietnam, where obviously you know, the rebels are the Vietnamese and the Empire is America, and so it was like. Because yeah. George Lucas has said that where it's like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to be like, you know, the Vietnam War. <laughs> where like, you know, the rebels mm-hmm. trouncing the, um, you know, the American Empire. Right. Right. Which is which is interesting. Yeah. But like, unfortunately, with a lot of stuff that is actually considered canon, it is really convoluted that idea. Yeah. Because if you actually go into the reasons that the emperor start like started building an empire in the first place, mm-hmm. he's doing it as like, like pre-reactionaryism, I guess, because yeah. he knows a greater force is coming to conquer their galaxy, yeah. and he's like, the only way we can do it is like by combining all these forces. And so, like, and the, then like, and then like the prequels, like um, Princess Amidala was a stand-in for Hillary Clinton, which is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is yeah. So so what was the Benghazi of the prequels? <laughs> uh, I think that's why I only watched uh, episode one. Of that. No no. So so you have committed. We are going to watch episodes yeah. one, two, and three, and do podcasts on them. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I've never seen it. I mean, I, I've, I've, and it's funny because I've watched. Um, it's like one of the. It's like one of those things. Like, I feel like I've absorbed enough of the movie by osmosis. Oh yeah, by the memes. By the memes, yeah. and it's just like I. And it just kind of feels like I've watched it at this point. Plus, I watched yeah. like the Red Letter Media Plinkett reviews oh, of them. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah, the Plinkett reviews are very thorough. Yeah. And they will kind of let you know exactly what's going on. But there's so much, so much, so so many like just minor things and fucking minutia in mm-hmm. every Star Wars film, especially the prequels that you just need to watch mm-hmm. just so you can fully hate it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's an experience. And like, you know, there's some movies that you watch to hate and yeah. I watch the Star Wars prequels once every few years just to hate them. I was just talking to my friend the other day about how I watched the entirety of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> while I, was, while I, was, I watched the entirety of Sons of Anarchy too. <laughs> yeah, I was that in a very got, depressed state, and I was just like, I was just hate watching. The it. last two seasons make no sense, dude. No, they don't. No, no. It's, it's. I mean, it goes off the fucking rails. It's one of the worst shows I've ever watched, to be honest. It's although the fucking main guy, he's very pretty. He's very, yeah, yeah you know, Charlie like, Hunnam. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, very, very pretty man. It, it is funny. Like I do like how his his voice quick quick goes from. Uh, from normal to Batman voice. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he's like, listen, brother, yeah. I'm Jackson, I'm Batman. Yeah, yeah, that's how he sounds by the end of the show, and I'm just like, ooh, this sucks. And then like, you know, he, you know, heroically commits suicide by um, killing another person, basically, <laughs> just yeah. like going into a random trucker. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I just what pretty much. I I thought I was gonna like it because I love Ron Perlman and yeah. Katie Seagal, so I was just like, oh fuck, I'm gonna love. I mean, this. they're they're both good in it. They are. It's good, just yeah. like. The show sucks. The show's awful. Especially in the first, like, two or three seasons. Like, you know, Perlman and Katie Seagal's character arc and story arc are both pretty good. Yeah. And, like, the acting's not bad. Like, the first... I I can make a case for the first two or three seasons of Sons of Anarchy. Mm -hmm. There's, what, six seasons? I don't know. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I was really depressed. At least least the the last two seasons (laughs) are just, like... They just, like... They have to jump the shark. Because they keep on upping the ante. Because... I think they start out they they start out fighting like rifle gangs and then they start mm-hmm. like fighting the federal government and yeah. then and then I want to say they start fighting like the fucking like cartel and like they yeah. just keep on upping the ante to where like and then each other of course yeah and and then and yeah and you're like how <laughs> like they're literally like a gang of like 12 dudes and like <laughs> yeah. two or three of them die throughout the entire series and like all of these guys would be dead by like the third episode of this entire series. Also, one game I like to play when watching it is like what what when the day ends because it's because they do so much in the course of of of, of an episode and it all takes all, all takes uh, place in the course of one day, yeah. <laughs> basically almost. And so like, and they get up and they do and they go back and forth and like commit all these different crimes and still mm-hmm. have time to go and hang out and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, where do they find the time? They're so active. <laughs> biker gang they don't sleep they do meth dude oh that's true that's true you got an extra like seven hours a day if you do meth man (laughs) man i should start doing meth hell yeah dog (laughs) dude you're a welder you're halfway there basically (laughs) so um uh, we got very off base (laughs) it's it's all good it's all good the uh, author continues here chasing the audience never a good sign for a hotly anticipated highly marketed sequel to one of star wars's better outings in the modern era now quality is dipped and the star wars films have been largely panned as being unoriginal convoluted or the dead trope of subverting expectations i know when i go to a steakhouse i'm really glad my expectations were subverted to getting a piece of semi-cooked fish <laughs> really got me there. Okay. 
<laughs> Excellent writing writer. <laughs> Star Wars quality is up for debate, but the fact that there is uh, should tell you all you need to know about its quality. Yet, that isn't the number one issue with the franchise. No, see? The Fast and the Furious franchise isn't, let's say, great, and they keep making money. So if they can do it, certainly a bigger franchise like Star Wars can excel, right? But I think you're also like talking about two separate reasons why people watch like a movie like Fast and the Furious over Absolutely. like Star Wars. Like, uh, I mean, there's like a whole car culture and like you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, excitement, and, you know, and Vin Diesel. So it's you know, attracting two different kinds of audiences. Right, there. right. You don't you don't go into a Fast and Furious movie. No one goes in and like is like that doesn't really match continuity. Like, <laughs> yeah, no one, no one fucking does that. Everyone does that at Star Wars. I mean, isn't it, and what the fast later Fast and Furious movies? They're basically like the cars are basically flying through the air into. So I, I believe they actually do go on a rocket ship on one. Of them. Yeah, so it's know. like yeah, there no one's really like you know you know hold, holding like the Fast and the Furious franchise to this like you know standard standard no, like they're not just at all. like. Yeah, it's it's come and go, you know, do whatever the fuck you want. That's the thing is, Fast and Furious is a franchise that it's still building on its initial run. Yeah. This is Star Wars's third run now. Yeah. And like in in this batch of stuff, they have made more media than the two previous areas combined, mm-hmm. and it's most of it's highly divisive. Yeah. Like they have made the first season of Mandalorian is basically the only thing that is not highly divisive so far. Maybe Rogue One. Pe- people seem to really like Rogue One as well. Yeah, Rogue One's okay. I saw, I saw that in theaters. Yeah, I, I like Rogue One a lot. Yeah. A lot of people have soured on it, saying and it's, then, it's yeah, like it, taking fan service to the extreme, which I get. Yeah. And being like, hey, we're just going to make a Star Wars. It's all pew, pew, space battles, pew, pew. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but it was fun. As a, yeah. as a Star Wars action movie, it was really good. Yeah. And it was really dark. I loved the ending. Uh, the characters were fun. Yeah. Like. It had all the components of what I like about Star Wars movies without, like, the full continuity of a Star Wars movie, which yeah. is what I kind of liked about it. That's also why, like, when I he- thought heard they were going to take over the movies and also when I heard there was going to be a new trilogy, mm-hmm. like, I would have actually preferred if it had nothing to do with any of the characters from the other movies. That, that, like, oh, wait, are you talking about the new, new trilogy they're doing? Or, oh, oh, it, no, you're talking about, okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when... The Skywalker thing did not need to be a nonology. Yeah, I, f- I feel. Yeah, I, I think they could. I think they put a pin in it. I feel like, like, um, Return of the Jedi or, or was the long last one. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that ended the story. Because yeah, that's and, the thing, and didn't need to go any further. Because the the thing is, like, Force Awakens was literally just a reboot, but it yeah. also included the characters yeah. from the previous three films, which was like. What the fuck are you doing? Because it had the exact same story and the exact same beats as A New Hope. Yeah. Like, I mean, it it had a Death Star. Mm -hmm. It had uh, a Darth Vader. Yeah. It had, I mean, the only thing it didn't have is an emperor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but but Snokes. He was the emperor. They did have an emperor. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's why I- It had a Grand Moff Tarkin. It had an everything. That's that's why I feel like- they had the bones mm-hmm. of like, you know, they had like the whole like rules of this universe and everything else. And I feel like they could have just taken that and just done a whole other original story mm-hmm. and make, create a whole new trilogy yeah. from scratch. Or or and, just do like what Rogue One did and like a prequel, but without any of the characters yeah. or a sequel, but without any of the characters. So mm-hmm. so the lasting impact. Well, they did have him at the end. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, yeah, that was part of the just the continuity between. Mm-hmm you know, that and the the next mm-hmm. film. Cause it, 
it was the prequel that ends at the very beginning of A New Hope, which yeah. made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I was fine with that. Um, but that's just me. Like, I mean, it would have been, I think it would have had greater lasting appeal if they could have, like, they could have had more creative outlets and more, more, and done way more creative things with, without any sort of, like, having to hold, to uphold the, so, like, could I mythology. interrupt here? I yeah. think what we're saying to Disney and yeah. the greater Star Wars production team is we need a Max Rebo standalone film. And if you don't get it, give it to us. We're going to do a terrorism. Yes. That's, that's basically what I think we're saying. Right? Yeah. That's like, the ultimatum. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's a tower eight, but <laughs> in Salah, it will fall. Yes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Cause also it's like, you know, you look at like, uh, I don't know if you ever played Knights of the old Republic or anything. Mm. Uh, I have completed both Knights of the Old Republic like four times each. And that fucking slaps, right? Knights of the Old Republic is probably the best Star Wars story. Yeah. It fucking slaps. And like, uh, what was, what are you in that? Darth Riven or Darth? Uh, Revan. Revan, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the tale of Darth Revan, the ending of that game is mind-blowing. Yeah. It is like watching a 30 or 40 hour game or, or movie. F- movie, and then at the end it throws you a twist that you somehow never expected in 30 or 40 hours. <laughs> it, like the first time I beat that game, I like melted, dude. I was yeah. like, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yep. Duh, yeah, dude. And guess what? Fuck. No fucking characters from the trilogies. Thank God. And, and that's, it, and it, and it, it, it took was, place like thousands of years before the original. Yeah. Shows. And that's, give us an old Republic film. That would rock. That would rock. That would fucking rock dog. Yeah. And, and, and that's, and it was in, and everyone loved that fucking game and it was mm-hmm. like a really cool ass movie. And mm-hmm. you know, they could have done something like that, but instead yeah. it's like, we got to keep, you know, digging up the old graves of, <laughs> of every living member. Yeah. Well, we haven't trilogy. even gotten to star Trek yet, so I'm going to continue. Here. <laughs> yes, so yes, sorry. author says, well, here's the difference. Despite feeling like fast and the furious has 200 movies in the last 20 years. They don't, they have like seven or something. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, on the other hand, is in fact oversaturated. Since 2017, Disney has released or put into production 21 shows, Damn. ranging from full-length uh, live-action to shorts. On top of that, they also have five standalone films, and that's a lot. We're seeing the same fatigue take hold of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Star Trek is heading into the same space. Hmm. The current ethos of Star Trek is more is better, so we have five shows that are in development or just uh, wrapping development at the same time. Five. Five whole shows. Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds. We're also expecting a fourth film in the Kelvin timeline and two other shows that are in early development as we speak. Franchise fatigue will come for Star Trek, as it has before in a much less media-driven era. Star Trek got 20 years before fatigue set in the last time, but they won't get that long now. Back in 2005, when Enterprise was canceled, you had at best 60 cable channels per house at the high end. That's not true at all. 2005 had way more than 60 cable channels per house. Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, back then, I mean, I had up in Alaska, we had like a thousand channels. You guys probably had satellite, right? No, no mm. cable. Some cable had satellite, but like mm. satellite sucks in the winter. Oh, yeah, that's true. Snow, snow and shit. Um, the author continues, uh, the options were limited and you really only had a few movie channels and whatever was in your local blockbusters competition. 
Now you have an unquantifiable amount of content on YouTube alone, not to mention hundreds of thousands of hours on Netflix alone, plus another six bajillion other streaming services. There's too much competition. The franchise concept, or even just a decade ago, no longer works. Things get burned up, ran through, and exploited at the point fans move on far faster. Star Trek has some really good shows they're offering, but if they keep expanding the palette, all they're going to do is give fans too much. Now, I kind of take issue with this because I don't think he really understands their strategy. No, I mean, every, they're, all, they're not they, there's making, five shows, but they're all vastly different from I was going to say, they are all going after very different demographics. Mm-hmm. I would say the only two shows that are actually going after similar demographics are maybe Strange New Worlds and Discovery, Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds and... I mean, Strange New Worlds has very broad crossover appeal to, I think, basically all the other series. Yeah. Uh, the only other two I'd say are really like heavily maybe related in any way or Picard and Discovery. Yeah, I do feel Strange New Worlds is kind of middle of the line. It is. And, like, that can go either way to, like, yeah, Lower Decks or mm. Discovery because it has, I've seen, like, it's going to have connections to Lower Decks soon and it already has right. connection to Discovery. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, and then, of course, there's the kid show and then whatever Picard demographic is going for. <laughs> Picard demographic is going for old people, I think. Yeah. And old, so, and so yeah. old people though, also like strange new worlds. Cause it feels like classic Trek. Yes. Um, and then, you know, like discovery, it's a very new take on Trek. And so I think a lot of people like strange new worlds for the same reason. And also mm-hmm. Pike was the best part of both shows. So he is. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but uh, I'll continue here. So, uh, when, Someone is given too much of anything. What happens? They lose interest. This guy has never had too much pussy, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Suck it. Got him. Uh, Media juggernauts have forgotten the number one rule of show business. Leave them wanting more. If Star Trek doesn't look over its shoulder at Star Wars and see what's happening with Andor, they're going to suffer the same fate. A bunch of expensive and possibly good shows that no one is watching. I mean, I would say, like, I, I mean, I'd be watching it regardless, but Stranger Worlds, you know, and all the other shows really have me hooked, you know, except for Discovery Picard. But, but all of the other shows, <laughs> except for 40% of them. 40% of them. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't say <clears throat> Prodigy has me hooked. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I like it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be watching it if. I wasn't doing this podcast. I mean, that's I like true. It. I, 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 like I only started fun. watching it after you but, were like, oh, we're going to start rating uh, Prodigy. I was like, oh, okay, right. I'll watch them. Right. And now, but now you're like, your girlfriend was obsessed with it until they changed that one aspect this episode. So. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. She's not but, happy. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is our Trek news for the week. Do you have anything Ooh. to add? No, I'm good. Well, in that case, um, thanks for listening to the Trek News. Thank you so much. Uh, Listen to our other episodes, you sons of bitches. But, uh, you know, you can listen to every episode without waiting for them if you go to our Patreon. 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 Guess where that is? That's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. But you know what? Just go to soytrek.com. Click on Patreon on there. 
Yeah, soytrek.com. You know what? Check out our, our, our merch while you're there. We got uh, a new shirt that I just put up. Oh, it yeah. says, bottoms, tops, we all hate cops. Mm-hmm. And it has both the bottom and the top of the Enterprise D. Pretty fun. Pretty fun. And I'm wearing the other one. Uh, you are wearing the other one that uh, is not put up yet. But oh, you know shit. What? But you know what? By the time you listen to this episode, who knows? It might be. Well, oh. Can you go ahead and explain it for us, Pat? Oh, yeah, see, Britt was nice enough to give me a shirt because I burned through my other one that I was wearing at work today. I, I was caught on fire today. <laughs> no, I, I gave you a shirt because in lieu of actually giving you the profits from this. Business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I need a new shirt. But it's a picture of Tuvix, and it says, Pro Tuvix, throw Jane Way away. And uh, I will be making a another version of that shirt uh, that has a print over it that has Tuvix crossed out. And it says over pro, it says anti. <laughs> and then instead of Jane, throw Janeway away, it says throw Janeway a party. Hells yeah. Hell yeah. So, it, you know, depending on how you feel about it, I'm doing a, um, what's a, ter- a Colonel Tom Parker, mm. um, Elvis's manager, used to uh, hang out outside Elvis shows. Uh, they had a merch booth inside, obviously, that sold Elvis merch, but he used to hang out outside of Elvis shows selling pins and t shirts that say, I hate Elvis. And so, and so they got, you know, all the people that were there to see Elvis paid for merch. And then all the people that were there to protest Elvis <laughs> paid him for merch as well. So he was, he was taken from his uh, genius. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's what we're doing. We're, uh, mm. although, although, I mean, ultimately I'm very pro Tuvix, but I, I, I know other people are that way. And ultimately I'm selling this anti Tuvix shirt to, uh, assemble a list. <laughs> Of people to uh, visit violently. I mean, I think Tuvix should have died. Yes, he deserved to die, and I hope he burns in hell. <laughs> You're a bad person, and you should feel bad. Pat. <laughs> I mean, I know you know this, but yeah, yeah. but I'm just telling you, you need some help. You're telling me. Yes, Been told I... that countless times. <laughs> Mostly by professionals and policemen. <laughs>